0: walk the talk children have never been perfect at listening to their parents but they've never failed to imitate them in some way this is walking your talk a personal development podcast about leadership authenticity and courage I'm Carolyn Taylor, and I've spent my life working with leaders in organisations on how to change their culture, but this is much more personal. If you want to be known as someone who walks your talk at work and beyond, then this podcast is for you. Hello again. I'm not sure who that quote's by, but I saw it and I've got children on my mind at the moment because I've just had a grandchild but I thought it was really relevant for this new series, which I'm calling Walk and Talk. And I'm going to circle back on those key elements of changing a culture and leading that process and give you some new insights, new twists on some of the ideas that some of you may already be familiar with, but done a lot more thinking in the last few months about it. So I'm going to look at three elements that relate to what you do, the walk, which, as you know, I consider to be absolutely essential in building a culture if you really want to make a difference. And those are behaviors and symbols And systems, which are the sources of the messages that people receive about how they really have to behave to fit in in the environment that you're creating, whether it's an environment of your team or whether it's an environment in your whole organisation. And then I want to look at two elements that relate to the walk. One is engaging others in what you want and expect, setting the vision, if you like. And the other is helping others to change some of those limiting beliefs that they hold, which keep your current culture and their behavior really firmly in place. So today I want to start with the activity that I'll call engaging. And whether you're working to build a good culture in your team or in your whole organization, you need to be really clear about what that culture will look like when you've achieved it. Most organizations spend an awful lot of time, actually, on this part of the process. There's not usually any shortage of effort that goes into that. Often, in fact, I find much more than they later spend on actually working on building the culture that will align to those aspirations. So if anything, I would say it gets almost overdone. But whether your organization is large or small, I have found some tips I can offer about how to do this in the best way you can. And having read read hundreds of those statements over my career, I feel like I'm qualified with a few, few ideas to share with you. So what I've found, and this might be a bit of a shock to some of you, that there's really only about 25 to 30 key concepts which people aspire to when they're describing their culture. And if you spend an afternoon going through annual reports or company websites, you'll find the value statements and you'll, you might actually be pushed to find 25, to be honest. In my book, Walking the Talk, I talk about six culture archetypes, which we found you can kind of group what people describe culture is pretty well just into those six. But then within those, then there are, there are sort of some subcategories, which are more or less important to different organizations. So, for example, in the general archetype, which I call achievement, which relates to consistently delivering, there are subsets of prioritization, of focus, of accountability, of simplicity, of deliver, of risk mastery, etc. So I tell you that because in pursuing your description of your culture, your task is to be ruthless in your prioritization. Because the temptation is to look at the six or the fifteen or the twenty-five words that describe excellence in organizational life and go, oh, but I love them all. I really want at least half of these. And that, I think, is where many organizations make a mistake because what they lose then is that real focus and memorability that is so much a part of getting your talk right. So I think we've found that probably three ideas seem ideal. One is brave and actually would get real focus when you start going to five or more, then people sort of don't remember them and you often lose some of that punch. Everything could be lovely, but what will you be specially known for? What resonates most with your brand? What would make the biggest difference to your vision? Those are the questions that you you and your team need to ask in order to, challenge yourselves and to achieve that kind of real simplicity of message. Now, the reason you want to keep the vision simple is not only do you want it to be memorable, but you want it to be referenced all the time in casual conversation, and you want it to go beyond the PowerPoint. In fact, nobody really should need a PowerPoint to engage with people on the vision of their culture. Another tip is, alliteration is good, you know, using words with the same first letter. So coincidentally, in the past two weeks, I've heard fast, flat and focused. And I've heard caring, curious and courageous. And both of those work because I remember them now as I'm preparing for this podcast without having to look anything up. You know, They stick in your brain. So let's assume that you've settled on your descriptive words, and now you're going to start the engagement part. Now, most organizations under their descriptive words have paragraphs, or they have bullet points, or they have lists of behaviors. And these have some value, I think, especially if you want to measure behavior and culture. But truly, I've found that the only way to really engage people to have them understand what your memorable words really mean is through giving examples and examples that they can relate to. And reality is no matter how many bullet points you write, you're never going to capture everything that those key words really mean. So better, I think, to really look for specific moments where choices need to be made. And then start to work those in detail. Because whilst your formal descriptions can directionalise its meaning somewhat, it's examples that are a best way to really achieve that. So let's double-click as an example on the word caring. What should we do when our performance is poor and we have to reduce costs? Does care mean we will hold on to our people and reward their loyalty and wait for performance to turn around? Or does it mean that we will let some people go because we care for the strong team and the sustainability of the company, but then we do it in the most caring way we can? Does it apply just to employees? Or does it also apply to communities and to customers or to contractors? Does it mean we support people working from home and only coming in when they feel like coming into the office? Or do we expect certain face-to-face experiences from everyone? And if people have moved further away in the pandemic, do we pay for their travel? I mean, these are just tiny examples. We could think of 100 examples of what does caring mean. So you can be pretty sure that everyone, and this is important, everyone will attach different meaning, even if you've got your bullet points and your descriptions, everyone will attach different meaning. And this is where we get to the crux of this episode. Beyond your simplest descriptions, achieving alignment to your current culture is a process of continual engagement and discussion and debate and disagreement until gradually you come into alignment and you kind of establish in everyone's minds the principles on which they can then apply in a specific situation. So what I think your key culture descriptions really do is make sure that you ask the right questions. They don't really provide the answers, and it's unrealistic to think that they will. But asking the right questions is what leads then to the right debate. And the answers then come in those engaged conversations about meaning and about interpretation, which are based on real dilemmas that you face every day. So how those decisions get made then gradually shape your meaning. But if, and this is a big if, if you explain why a particular decision was made and how and why that decision aligns to caring, or fast, or customer-centric, or whatever your word is, if you do that, and I find most leaders don't take this extra step, which is why it's a big if, but if you do, and if you join the dots, and make that link over and over again, day after day, then you start building out meaningful interpretation of what your culture will mean and how people should operate. I often tell the story of arriving early in my career in a remote airport in a mine site in the middle of nowhere where we were doing a project for a client. And as we were just about to get in the car and drive off to the mine site, Somebody tapped on our window. We had the badge of our client on his his shirt. And he said to us, now, when you go, you mind those kangaroos. And what he was saying was, you know, it was late afternoon that the kangaroos jump across the road looking for water and they're big and they're dangerous as you're driving. So what this guy had done is he had bothered to stop these strangers who he assumed didn't know about kangaroos and he was right in order to make sure that they were safe. So, in that organization, safety meant looking out for other people. Now, imagine how many conversations needed to take place so that people everywhere in the world, and that's what the HR manager told me afterwards, he said, Oh, every, all of our people would have done exactly the same thing wherever you were in the world. So, how do you achieve that? And how do you know that people will interpret safety as caring for others? And, in fact, anyone who saw a couple of City girls about to head off down a road uh, at dusk in the middle of nowhere would have asked that question about Mind Out about the kangaroos. So they knew that if you see anyone walking into a potential risk, then it was their job to warn them ahead of time. And that's what happens through you have the continual conversations together. So in summary, keep your culture descriptors very simple and memorable. And talk to each other every day about what they mean. Bring it into every meeting, into every decision. That's really the best way to talk about culture. Avoid those PowerPoints. And then don't change those statements. Really stick with them for a long time. I hate it when I see a new leader come in and go, right, okay, we're going to update this and I've got a better word for that. And then you go, oh, no, no, we're going to start all over again. Now, obviously, from time to time, you do have to update it, but it really would be very occasionally. Now, one last point I want to make. Once you make the statement, once you start talking your talk then you do up the ante because now people will be looking and the first thing they will wonder is, are they serious? And they will judge your actions, your walk against their interpretation of the meaning of those key descriptors. So that's why explaining why you do things and linking the descriptors helps align other people's views with your views so that when they do see your actions, they don't just judge them as being, you know, not caring because I've got a different interpretation of caring than you have. If you explain why that means caring to you, you're educating all the time. And then the last thing is you have to ask for feedback. Tell me, you know, tell me, do you think I'm being caring? Tell me when you think I'm not. Because that gives you the opportunity to then either apologize if you think they're right or to engage and educate on how you believe that what you did actually does align. So next episode, I want to focus on how you get better at then aligning your walk to that talk that you've then defined. So join me then. Thank you.